ladies and gentlemen. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. Good morning, Manchester, and to those of you in surrounding towns, welcome to our three of Gerard at Large. I am your, the decaf is kicking in host, Rich Gerard. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. You, <laughs> the only intro needs a defibrillator. <laughs> you can find us online at GerardAtLarge.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Also at Gerard at Large, where we encourage you to like us and to follow us, because we just want to be loved. All right, joining us in Ooh. studio now, officially, <laughs> is... Um, Retired Manchester yeah, police officer and uh, uh, now now an educated man. No, He's a pracademic. doctor. Pracademic. <laughs> our pracademic. Dr. <laughs> Jeffrey Zarnick. He's going uh, to... Uh, I went to college. He's going <laughs> <he's gonna> to <laughs> ride shotgun with me for the next segment. Yes. And then we're turning the, the show over to his capable tongue. His capable tonsils. Oh, surely you just. Yes. Please don't call me Shirley. So he can... Uh, <laughs> so he can... <laughs> So he can finish off the show because I, your humble host, oh, we're going to finish it off, all right. <laughs> that is right. We'll be, we'll Go be FCC. Yeah, I, I will shortly be beating tra- uh, be, uh, beating feet over to the uh, Manchester yeah. Police Department headquarters Exciting. for the for the oral board. Very cool. Yes, you're going to the Star Chamber. The Star Chamber. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You go into a really dark room. There's a bunch of candles and guys <laughs> in robes. Sit down, Gerard. <laughs> Am I alone under a spotlight while no. they grill me from behind? You, uh, you know, one you, you one side well glass. Be. Rich, I'm going to tell you something. I am not a fan of the oral board interview. Really? Of course not. You know, <laughs> how many of you have? have you, how many of, of them have you conducted? I was on a. I tell you, I was on um, uh, three days of oral boards. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when I was on the PD back, post riding King. Okay, uh. and I swore. I said. I asked him, please don't ever ask me to do that again. Because <laughs> <laughs> that much fun, huh? Well, there were only, remember, the, 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 the economy was very bad, so people were looking for jobs. Yeah. And the, 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 the talent pool that came across uh, you know, the oral board interviews for three days straight was just absolutely incredible. They were great people. But because there were only three openings, we had to fail people uh, just, just to keep the attrition. In other words, to keep the numbers down. And I just felt absolutely horrible because you know, these people would have made very – a lot of these people would have made great police officers. But they will never know why they failed. Uh-huh. All right, so, so you walk out of there going, "Did I? What did I do?" You could have done nothing wrong. It's so subjective. Yeah. It's so whimsical. It is. It's just. It's one of the. But has such a. It's. It's, it's pass fail. Right? right. So the weight that's applied to this arbitrary, whimsical, subjective portion of the process is just ridiculous. All right. So thanks for the pep talk. Well, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that. You know because when. You know, we conduct, you know, for the benefit of our students, we do mock oral boards. I've done those for years. And more. it's more about your presentment, Rich. You right. Know? Yep. Your eye contact, your cadence, how confident you sound when you're giving them the answers, even if you're, quote, wrong. Right. You know, you don't have to know everything. And they're going to try to make you squirm and put you on the spot with those wonderful, uh, follow them under the ethics umbrella questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Would you take a candy bar? Right. And, only if it came from a baby. It only came yeah. from a kid. I give you a funny one. We had one guy. He said, uh, "You know, you're you're on patrol one night, and you uh, see a car go right through a stop sign. You pull a car over, and, and it's your mother." So we asked this guy that. He said, "Would you give your mother a ticket?" I right? said, so "Yes, I would." We're like, "Oh well, we got a banana here, right?" <laughs> I go, well, why would you give your mother a ticket? I hated my mother. <laughs> okay, next question. 
<laughs> he was very candid. <laughs> uh, that's that's unbelievable. But it really is about your presentment completely. Yep. You know, how you carry yourself, you know, your articulation. You don't have to sound like Einstein, but you've got to be very matter of fact, you know, and again, look them in the eye. And if you don't understand the question, it's okay to say, you know, not challenge them, but can you rephrase the question? I'm not sure if I quite understand it because a lot of times they're just shooting from the hip. Right. They don't even know what they've asked you. Right. You know, because some of the, the questions don't have the right answer. Would you they don't it? have the right answer. No, well, no, there's no such thing. They're just trying to trap you to make you go. Well, I, I think I would do that, but I'm not sure. You know, uh, the the best one. This is across the board. I'm going to say every police department oral board interview always gives you. You're a rookie, kid. You got two <laughs> nights on the job, and you're being trained by a guy with 25 years, a grizzled old veteran. But he's retiring in a week. You know. Well, you go to a mom and pop alarm. You go to this little mom and pop store, and the door is open, and forgot to lock it. So they say, well, the owner will be down in 20 minutes. So you walk in, and this old grizzled veteran walks over and gets a Snickers bar, rips it open and eats it and throws the wrapper away. All right, now the owner shows up. Do you make that officer pay? Do you tell him he should pay? And then so, you, well, I've got to say the right thing. Well, of course, I would insist that he pay. Oh, now they're going to play devil's advocate, right? Oh, Mr. Gerard, you'd make a grizzled old veteran about to retire pay for that? What if he says, no, I'm not paying? Well, I'd report him to my superiors. Oh, so you're going to rat him out, right? So they try to twist you up. You know, they, you know are you going to rat this guy out for taking a stickers bar? No, probably not. We know reality. You probably, you know, for nothing else, you know the camera's on. You throw two bucks on the counter and you walk Well, out. I was just going to say, I'd pay for the candy bar and be done pay with it. Pay the candy bar and say, <laughs> you know, listen, you gnarly old buck, retire. Yeah. You know? But the right answer is, no, no. If, if you're telling me, that you don't want me to tell on this man, I don't want to work here. Yeah. Because I'm not jeopardizing my career just because he's finishing his. <laughs> and, and the food that I have to put on the table with my family for a Snickers bar, I don't care if it's a Snickers bar or a Cadillac, you stole. You steal and you're endorsing that? Thanks anyway. Put it right back on him. You know, let, let it, because I'm telling you, and they're probably listening right now. <laughs> oh, scratch that one. Don't, don't ask him that. Ask him this. Um, you know, you're in an alien spaceship. You know, they're going to, I don't know what they're going to say. You just never right. know. Um, but it's all about the, you know, they're looking for character, sound moral judgment. And again, you know, how well you, you know, the pitch and the tone of your voice, whether you're sweating, you start, you know, going, you know, and fumbling. You don't have to answer the question immediately. You know, it's about taking a deep breath and saying, well, let me think about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, there's usually those questions about, do you have any, you know, are you averse to writing a rather a female police officer? No, no, she's hot. No, no, I don't care if you ride with a squirrel, you know, if they, if they know their job and they're going to have my right. back, I don't care who it is. It doesn't matter to me, you know, uh, you know, that, those types of things. There's a whole litany of those types of questions uh, that are based upon judgment and decision making and how well you can sit in a seat, which you're never going to do for 20 years anyway. <laughs> You're going to be making split-second <laughs> decisions on your feet. You, yeah. know, you know, you're not going to sit there with a tie in front of people saying, okay, well, I think this man should be arrested. You know, so they'll, they'll give you those questions. Gotcha. You know? All right. So not that I want to change topics on you. No, go right ahead. I know, I'm just this excited is for you. Well, I think it's, I, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But I, we, did, we did tell the audience that we were going to finish off our assessment of the primary races. Oh, and before I, before I have to get there... Uh, you know, leave the leave the microphone here and go. Yes. I, I do want to finish that off. Oh, so kill it. Yeah, kill it. So Ward 7. Ding. I think we'll have a good sense of what the city's thinking in Ward 7 because in the race for Alderman, you have Brian Cole, who's been a non-factor. 
Um, and Brenda Nwiso, who has campaigned pretty hard across the ward. And then, of course, veteran alderman Billy Shea. And I'm going to look at Ward 7 as sort of a bellwether ward for the um, for the uh, general election because the differences are so stark between Shea and Nwiso. Uh, you know, Shea is opposed to making the city a sanctuary city. Nwiso is in favor of it. He's opposed to tax cap override. She gave some gobbledygook about assessing data, which means she'll vote to override. Um, he says the biggest uh, issue facing the city are crime and taxes. She says it's stale leadership. So um, Word 7 has always, to some degree, been kind of a bellwether that I've watched anyway. So we'll see how the mayor's race shakes out there as well. Uh, Ward 8. Uh, you've got former uh, alderman Betsy DeVries. You know, I just don't get the sense that out, outside of the Democratic loyalists that DeVries has really uh, gotten any traction out there. Um, just my feeling, I think Eddie Sapienza uh, has done a good job working the ward. He, you know, he went door to door last time. He's mm-hmm. doing it again this time. I don't really have a sense for how much work John Cataldo has done. Um uh, down there, but you know the idea that Ward Eight might be looking for somebody new, especially with the scandals involving Tom Katzi and Tonus, a longtime uh, school board member, alderman, state rep there, um, may may have some carry. But it's also the city's uh, strongest conservative Republican ward, so we'll be looking very intently to see how Mayor Gatzis does in Ward 8, which may be a bit of a a skewed result, especially because Joyce Craig's home ward is Ward 8. That's where she grew up. Oh, hey, Jim Gadette is looking for the the autographed uh, copy of a retired cop, a retired gangster, and and, and the uh, Russians. There you go. So on the way, Jim. You've got it, baby. Okay. Yeah. So, but we're, you know, so my, uh, both uh, Joyce Craig and her wife uh, and, and her husband, Michael, grew up in Ward 8. So they've got a lot of connections down there. So we'll see whether or not Ward 8, how Ward 8 breaks. I expect it to go for Gatsis. The question will be how big. Ward 9, we're going to obviously look to see whether or not Burkish tops Shaw. You know, see how much fight the old girl still has in her and how hard she's worked. Um, you know, if you drive through it, it looks like Burkish is going to swamp her, but I'm not sure that's the case. Um, I'll also be looking to see how Mike Ricker does. He unfortunately didn't really get much of a campaign underneath him, uh, but he is the only non-sort of old face, old Manchester political face say, yeah, uh, there. Throwbacks. Um, and, you know, you get Shaw, who has twice voted to override the tax cap, voted for her daughter's contract as a, you know, as a teacher, violation of the charter. You've got uh, Burkish, who says he will override the tax cap as an alderman and has got a son on the fire department, so he'll probably violate the charter. So if people in Ward 9 really want to break with the same old politics, they probably should look to Ricker, but I don't know that he's done the work necessarily to really do that. So we'll be looking to see how the Shaw-Burkish race turns out. And in Ward, uh, uh, Ward 11, the question will be, how close does Willette come to um, how close does Willette come to Gamash? You know, Willette put his name on the ballot two years ago. Admittedly, he didn't campaign. He says he is campaigning this time. Uh, Andre Rosa has really beat feet out there. He's done a lot of work uh, doing door to door. He may surprise people, um, but I think you got to take a look at Gamash and say he's in trouble. He's taking an enormous amount of heat over his continued votes in violation of the charter, not just for the teacher's contract, which covered uh, his daughter, but at least two fire contracts, which cover his son. 
So and an incestuous relationship. Yeah, uh, that and there are a lot of complaints in the ward. You know, Norm is sort of an elderly fellow. He doesn't get around as much as he did anymore. And there are complaints about whether or not he's been responsive. Willette has worked pretty hard um, in the Rimmon Heights Neighborhood Association, and and so we'll be see, we'll be looking to see how close those two are uh, at the end of the primary. And we may get a surprise out of Andre Rosa. I, you know, Armin Forrest. Don't know why he put his name on the ballot. Uh, oh. Former Ward Twelve Alderman and State Rep. Uh, don't know that he's campaigned. Not sure why he's there. In Ward 12, you get a, a double billing. Uh, look for, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it comes out. I expect Hirschman to survive the primary. But the Democrats, for some reason, have gone lock, stock, and barrel. Joyce Craig's campaign, the um, the Democratic State Committee, has committed to this kid, Hassan Essa, who's a 20-year-old a college student at UNH Manchester who lives up in the, the Rimmon, uh, Rimmon Heights uh, housing project, okay? So he tells this story of, of the refugee family. It's clear why the Democrats are pushing an agenda through him. But does Ward 12 want a 20-year-old college kid? Trojan horse. Uh, right. So will Joel Elber, does Joel Elber, the state rep, uh, have enough sort of horsepower to overcome the Democratic machine. So powerful has it been that uh, Connie Van Houten abandoned her good friend Joel Elber and has been uh, seen campaigning door-to-door with Hassan Essa as she goes through Ward 12. Of course, she's uh, in a bit of a panic mode because it appears the Democrats, she says, I'm told, aren't really backing her. Who knows? But uh, Carlos Gonzalez, a former state rep, is on the ballot there. Didn't Carlos, he the mayor years ago, he did two thousand three. Yeah, okay. Right, right, right. Carlos uh, has not lifted a finger to campaign, in part because the daughter of his wife's employer is Kelly Ann Thomas, who is also on the ballot. And Carlos, had he known that she was on the ballot, says he wouldn't have filed. How do you keep track of that? I know, I try, <laughs> but Carlos. But here is the thing with Carlos: he has got strong name ID, so. He's a credible threat in the primary. Kellyanne Thomas, we interviewed her here, seems like a delightful uh, mother of twin uh, seven-year-olds who go, I believe, to Northwest Elementary. At least they should, based on where she lives. Um, You know, uh, uh, she was disabled in a car accident uh, many years ago, 17 years ago, I think, as a teenager. She's in a wheelchair. Uh, That notwithstanding, she has campaigned very hard. She's got great visibility throughout the ward. Her family are the Rows. You might remember Lillian Rowe, the former state rep, longtime uh, Ward 12 selectman. Her son, David, her wife, uh, uh, her mother is Janice, uh, now Aubin, formerly uh, Thomas, who owns the We Play School uh, just over the border in Goffstown. Oh, you've got them all in a row, don't you? (laughs) That's right. So the (laughs) the family's got some political carry between the the Rows and the uh, and the Aubins, uh, and I'm sure they've pulled out all the stops. So it will be interesting to see how that finishes. We'll be looking to see how many people don't vote for incumbent Connie Van Houten, who is seeking her fourth term on the board. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's basically – and then as we've said on the mayor's race, we'll be looking to see uh, – I've predicted that Joyce Craig will come ahead – of Ted Gatsis in the primary based solely on what I believe will be the discrepancy between Democrats and Republicans in the turnout. So the question will be, does Joyce Craig project beyond the Democratic base that's going to turn out? In other words, is she capturing the independents? Mm-hmm. Who, who best overperforms versus their party turnout? Have there been any polls? Not that no. have been published. Interesting. Yeah, but whoever best overperforms their party turnout you know, if if uh, Joyce Craig gets 
the Democrats plus five points. And Ted Gatsis gets the Republicans plus 15 points. Gatsis is going to win in November because it'll show that the Republicans, um, uh, it'll show that the independents are breaking his way. And if you look at the results last time out, um, three out of every four independents who voted in the general, if you assume that all the Democrats who turned out voted for Craig and all the Republicans that turned out voted for Gatsis, that means three out of every four independents who turned out had to vote to Gatsis for him to win. If Gatsis holds the independence, he will win again. If he doesn't, he's in trouble. So that's my analysis on wards 1 through 12. And uh, thanks to Jeff, I am now better prepared for the oral board that well, I now must, I I now must prepared, go to. I'm, I now must go to. And that's, and that's the that's Take the charge, deal. my man. Take charge. All right. So we're going to walk a- in. Don't sit down until they tell you to sit. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and shake all their hands. Okay. Right. Walk in. Don't sit till told. No, exactly. Shake hands. Right. Any babies to kiss? I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right. You'll be fine. Traffic weather sports brought to us by Paul R. R. Martineau. He's running for Alderman and Manchester Ward 2. And during his 15 years as the elected welfare commissioner in the Queen City, he has decreased departmental spending by over half a million dollars. He eliminated two positions relatively early on in his career, saving hundreds of thousands of dollars in salary and benefits. And his staff under his leadership has returned over two and a half million dollars of your hard-earned money back to the city treasury. Paul Martineau says as alderman in Ward 2, he will continue to work for efficiencies in government as well as work on the opioid crisis, neighborhood safety, education, property taxes, infrastructure, and economic development. If you have any questions for Paul on your way to the polls, give him a ring at 493-1652. That's 493-1652.